All loaded up. One out, and Dexter hits it down the right field line. That ball is fair down into the right field corner. Two runs will score. Here comes Carpenter. He's going to be held up. Dexter Fowler the double, and we're tied at 2-2. You know, first of all, it's good to answer right back. You know, they had a two-run homer, and we go right back and score, Dex, and then Dylan, and just kind of lets everybody free flow and just get back into, okay, we're, we're good, we're fine. You know, balls can fall. You know, can find some some grass, and then it just kind of makes everybody just maybe just take a little deep breath a little bit, maybe. And that's lifted in the air, deep right at the wall. God, it's a home run, Dexter Fowler. Dexter has driven in three today. RBI double with the bases loaded in the second, and now a solo home run here in the seventh. Yes, I wrote her down in capital. That's what aces do. That's exactly what aces do. Aces take the ball deliver when you need it and you know we needed it when we came back off that layout and um, in Chicago and you know we've we've breaks haven't gone our way we haven't made our own breaks um, last couple games and he said you know what we know the bullpen's short really short and I'm going to step up and I'm not only going to give you any I'm going to give you quality innings and we're going to and, and uh, the offense supported him and, and but that's what aces do the 0-2 pitch Fly ball, left field, Carlson over, he has it! Wainwright, his 39th birthday, he goes the distance, 23rd complete game of his career. Absolutely remarkable, and a hug from Yadier Molina. Goosebumps everywhere, everywhere. What a performance from the 39-year-old Adam Wainwright. Incredible. They had to put their masks on, but it didn't stop them from hugging, and you can't blame them. Stand up, Cardinal fans, wherever you are, and applaud Adam Wainwright celebrating his birthday today at Bush Stadium. Terrific performance. Truly a remarkable day at the ballpark yesterday. Welcome into the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. In just a moment, you'll hear from Brad Thompson of the Fast Lane as we talked it over about that performance from Adam Wainwright and the St. Louis Cardinals. The trade deadline is come and gone in MLB. We'll talk about the Mike Clevenger deal to the San Diego Padres. They have been big dealers and uh, they've been aggressive at the deadline. And you'll hear my conversation with Randy and Michelle, as well as their conversation with Scott Miller of Bleacher Report. But before we get to all that, some of the numbers yesterday, they're just staggering of what's happening with both Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. How about the number 2,000? Molina becomes the third Cardinal to reach 2,000 games played yesterday. 1981 and 1,982. Molina passes Red Shandienst. Sixth on the all-time Cardinals hit list, 1,800. Adam Wainwright collected his 1,800 strikeout yesterday, 269. Number of times Wainwright has started with Molina behind the plate, one shy of sixth all-time. Wainwright's 200th career quality start yesterday, 122. Number of pitches for Wainwright, most by any starter this year, 77. Combined years of age for Wayno and Yachty. Oldest battery to throw a complete game with the Cardinals since 1900. And 23, number of career complete games for Adam Wainwright. First time since July of 16. And the third in the National League this season. Wainwright, the advanced age of 39. 39. 
and he has been really their MVP this season. Congratulations to Adam Wainwright. We mentioned that the Padres have been busy. Here is their manager talking about the acquisition of Mike Clevenger earlier today. We're getting um, an athletic uh, guy that's going to throw some valuable uh, pitches and valuable innings for us. We we think he's uh, going to be a guy that can – uh, take the ball, work deep into games, give us chance to to win ball games, and give our uh, bullpen, um, you know, a chance to to have some innings down when he's on his A game. So uh, we're we're excited to have him. We're excited to uh, you know have him a part of our rotation, and and uh, we feel he's going to make our rotation that much deeper and that much stronger. And in your bullpen, I mean, how do you sort out the back end? You got Pomerantz back and Rosenthal, who's been really good, you know, closing for the Royals. Have you figured that part out yet? Well, I don't know if we figured it out yet. Uh, you know, with with, with only uh, having those two there for for one game, Pomerantz uh, coming off a, a, a ten day uh, DL stint, and then uh, Rosenthal throwing the ball well. Um, so, you know, I think the, the one thing I think we're confident is is that, uh, you know, when we have a lead and games are tight, is that, you know, some combination in the 7th, 8th, and ninth, somewhere in there that that uh, those two are, are going to have the uh, ball in their hands and and uh, we feel they've got chances to put up zeros and either maintain the, the, the lead or give our offense a chance to, to either, you know, tie it up or add on to a lead. So that was one of the bigger deals in baseball this afternoon. And coming up, I'll visit with Randy and Michelle to talk about the Wainwright start, what it means for the Cardinals going forward. First of three against Cincinnati tonight, and then it's off to Chicago. So a huge road trip for the St. Louis Cardinals. A visit with Randy and Michelle, then Brad Thompson, then you'll hear Scott Miller. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. The 0-2 pitch. Fly ball, left field, Carlson over. He has it! Wainwright! His 39th birthday, he goes the distance. 23rd complete game of his career. Absolutely remarkable. And a hug from Yadier Molina. Goosebumps everywhere. Everywhere. What a performance from the 39-year-old Adam Wainwright. Incredible. They had to put their masks on, but it didn't stop them from hugging, and you can't blame them. Stand up, Cardinal fans, wherever you are, and applaud Adam Wainwright celebrating his birthday today at Bush Stadium. Terrific performance. That was truly like watching and taking you out of quarantine pandemic moment. Uh, didn't think about it for a second. That was cool. When you talked to him after the game, Adam Wainwright, we're obviously talking about him getting a complete game on his 39th birthday. You could hear and feel and see the emotion yeah. coming out of him. Do you think it was just a looking back on everything he had endured to get there? Or what do you think he was feeling in that moment? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I did. I, I followed up with him. I, I He was... I, I don't know what the time was. I don't know. It was five or ten seconds where he, he didn't even answer. I don't yeah. know if you guys watched the, the post-game interview, but he, he couldn't couldn't talk. You know, he had tears in his eyes and coming down his cheeks. And um, 
I just let it go. I wasn't going to force him to keep talking and, and try to get something out of him. Just let it, let it be. And I said, why are you so emotional? What, what is it about this moment that makes this so emotional? You've been through so many of these great moments, and you've had complete games, and you've had the World Series moments and all those kind of things. And he said it was because, and I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, I still can do it. You know, I still have it in me mm-hmm. to do it. And here it is, his 39th birthday, and I'm, I'm still able to compete at a high level and do it. I remember it was in May of 2016, I believe, we were in San Diego. Mike Matheny walked out to get him. And I'm so glad I didn't say this because I would be eating crow, but I was thinking it. This is the last time I'm watching Adam Wainwright throw a pitch on a major league mound. And I was going to say that on the game, and I thought... Don't do it. it. It's just, just don't do it. Just say he's coming out to take him out of the game and just let it be that. And thank goodness I didn't, because here we are in 2020 and he's doing what he's doing. Um, but at that time, man, he was throwing a fastball about 80 miles an hour. And I remember doing an interview with him and I said, what happened? How did you, how have you been able to come back? And he said he was playing catch with Dominic Leone, who was trying to come back. And he hadn't really picked up a ball. Adam hadn't for a couple of months. And by just playing catch with Dominic, he said something clicked in his body, in his arm, that he found an arm slot. It was starting to work. He started throwing harder. And I thought at the time, God bless him, I thought this is typical Adam being Mr. You know, positive. Oh, something's happening here. We're going to be a great Mm -hmm. team. I'm going to be back. And we're going to. And I thought, okay, just let it go. And sure enough, something did happen, and he was right. And I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And and here he is. He's 3-0. He's the ace of the staff at 39. I don't think there's any way to say it. He is the ace of the staff. Mm -hmm. He is the ace of the staff of the Cardinals in 2020. I didn't think that would happen this year. He is their best pitcher, and he's come up big this year when they've needed him most, which was yesterday, which was coming out of the second wave of the COVID. Um it's just been incredible what he's been able to do. A stopper is a starting pitcher who stops losing streaks. Yes. He's the definition this year of being a stopper. Well, I never thought a stopper or a, an ace would be when you come out of a 17-day layoff and you've <laughs> <Right>. been <laughs> essentially trapped in your hotel room, too. Mm-hmm. But you can add that to the list of it. And, you know, I still think the most impressive, even maybe more so than yesterday, the most impressive start that he's had is the five innings coming out of the shutdown. Mm-hmm. They needed innings somehow, some way, and they got five innings having no idea how beat up the team may be after that road trip, and they, they at least got five innings of a seven-inning game or whatever that was when they first came out. That was huge for them. And then the the next start was the game in which he uh, had two airs behind him in the first, gave up a home run to Freddie Galvis. They're down 3 nothing, and then you look up, he's pitching into the seventh inning. He sets down 15 in a row. Then the next game, he's going deep into the game without his best stuff. And then yesterday, he gives you nine innings with the bullpen definitely on fumes. They needed, yeah. they needed him to go deep in that game some way, and he gives you nine innings. So now you, you go in, not I don't say fresh, but it's a... It was a boost in many ways. It's a boost to their bullpen going into Cincinnati, and it's a boost because the team, I'll, I'll say it, just looked beat up and tired. They looked tired early in that game. Whether it was Carpenter's catch on just what should have been a routine play on a foul ball, Car, uh, Dexter Fowler made a sliding catch on a ball and right. When you watched him get up, do you see how he got up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
look tired. Right. I mean, just these guys are tired, man. It's just it is what it is. They're just beat up right now. They're very, very tired. So they needed that, and it's a pick me up, and it's kind of like okay. It's also kind of a wake up too. Like, hey, we start, we still have games to go. We got a month to go. We got to go. Time to get going. Like it or not, here we go. And it's a wake up call. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just it's just hey, we we got to get it going. And so that's what they needed mentally and physically and in every which way. And he did it yesterday. One more thing about Wayno for you, Dan. It reminds me of Michael Jordan. When we were watching The Last Dance, how Michael Jordan would say, I'm going to go out there and do X. It's one thing mm-hmm. to say it. It's another to do it. Do it. Another to do it. And That's here right. we have Adam Wainwright a couple times this season texting Mike Schulter saying to Mike Schultz, hey, after quarantine, I want the ball. Give me the ball. I'm going to set the tone. Or, hey, I got you. No questions asked. And then he goes out and gives you that performance. Apparently, he's done this um Multiple times, not like he does it every night, but when he does do it, where he sends out a group text to the team, and they're also on kind of like a, almost like if you're if you're a parent out there, you have like this thing called Team Bot, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean, where the, the all the parents are on there, and you can chime in on your schedule and say, hey, can you pick up Johnny and get Susie, <laughs> and I need help here, you know. So the the players are on that, and they communicate with that, and he's done that a few times where he said, hey, we need to get it going, or you know, hey, let's think about this, let's do that. I mean, he truly is a team leader, and if there's any question about why he is still playing, he doesn't need to be doing this. He's he's made millions of dollars, well over $100 million, and I was thinking about this coming into the station today, and I thought about it yesterday. He's unquestionably going to get a red jacket. He, he'll be, a, without a doubt, um, a Hall of Famer for the St. Louis Cardinals, and we'll play the video that'll show his tremendous highlights and there's going to be so many of them from maybe his first at bat where he hits a first time he ever dug into the box it's a major league home run he the carlos beltran curveball closing out a world series um so many great moments that he's had on the mound and one of them of all the oddities and one of the special moments that will be will be him putting on a mask and hugging hugging yadi mm-hmm. molina and I, I just started thinking about the things that he's been through in the entirety of his career from coming up in 2005 to now, and it's still going. If there's any questions as to whether or not he will come back, I've had people ask me, do you think he'll be back next year? And I said, absolutely, I do. And I do think that Yachty will be back next year because they can still play at a pretty decent level. Obviously, they're playing at a pretty high level. Um, it's just been an amazing run, and they've represented the city and the and the community and the team at a – a neat level. You know, it's just it's fun. Take them in as you can because you're, you're not going to see guys like this come around very often. I think that they might be able to get through those three doubleheaders in five days. Logically, you could get through with, if not every starter, every starter but one giving you five innings. Well, what killed you, I think, was Ponce not getting through the right. first inning yep. Friday night. And then when you went extra innings on Saturday, that those are just killers, man. You know, when you yeah. when you have a team kind of on fumes anyway, and you got to go to your bullpen like that, that's tough. But Wainwright saves you on the back end. Now, if you would have said Wainwright in the first, you would we would be we would be talking about how Wainwright. Oh man, think about how the nine innings on Friday saved you. Well, just think of it the other way too. You know what I mean? Reverse it. He saved right. you. So you should feel a lot better going into this series this weekend or this week with Cincinnati. Does Oviedo make his way into the starting rotation? now? He's in now. So so he takes the st- the, start the of, yeah. start. Yeah, which makes sense. I think that's a good move because I'm I've been surprised by his ability to get the Cardinals deep into games. Well, I, I you can't go back out there with Ponds. No, can't trust him. Now I would think he gets another crack at it 
because what complicates this in my mind is that with Andrew Miller going on the injured list, Gomber would have been the reasonable decision for me at least to put him, slide him in the rotation. But if Andrew Miller is unavailable, Gomber's got to get the late inning stuff with Cabrera. So you got to have a couple lefties down there that you can rely on. I'm not sure you'd want Webb with the game on the line. I want a guy with a nasty breaking ball that if he's a three batter minimum, that can get both lefties and righties out. It's got to be Gomber. I'm with you. Yeah. Before we let you go, Dan, I want to ask you about the offense. You've seen some good things out of this offense, but you're certainly hoping for more consistency. Oh man. Yeah. I, it was a concern coming into the season. It's mm-hmm. a concern now, and there's a few, a few. There's a few things. Number one is teams just aren't pitching really to Goldschmidt for the most right. part. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why, he, in, to his credit, he's patient. He doesn't force things. He draws a lot of walks, and sometimes the offense is non-existent, and other times you have it like yesterday. You know, someone other than Paul Goldschmidt has got to step up. And Carpenter hasn't been that guy, although he's leading your team and runs batted in. I think Dexter's been fine. Yep. Dexter's been, you know, what you thought Dexter could be. He's been steady. But there's got to be outfield production somewhere. Somewhere. Now, Bader had it going, but then he got the migraines and had to sit. And that's unfortunate because you could see he was starting to make some strides. Mm -hmm. Um, Dylan Carlson has had the chances with runners in scoring position (laughs) and runners on base. I looked it up going into the weekend series. Since his call-up, he has had the most opportunities, along with J.T. Romuto, with runners in scoring position since his call-up. Mm. Wow. So he's had opportunities. Again, though, you're not going to put the whole load on him. He's a rookie. You know, and he's 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 grinding. He's, he's not getting fastballs. The league has figured out already, change up, change up, change up, off speed. You know, so he's making adjustments. So it's not fair to him. He's a young kid. Um, the guy that I'm starting to see some really good things from, though, is DeYoung. Yeah. I mean, we're starting to see him get it going a little bit. And if you can get him going and maybe one of these outfielders, like, let's say, Elaine Thomas gets a run, or if O'Neal, you know, O'Neal's been disappointing after he just has not come back and performed the way that he did in the first week. Um, you got to have somebody else, though, step up. It's got to happen. Now you've got some guys built up. Wayno's gone the distance, obviously. Other starters should be able to be built up to give you seven to eight innings, if need be, or nine. Let's see what they can do. You're you're basically a month away, Mm -hmm. and half the teams in baseball have a chance to get in and will get in. But they're all they're all crunched together. I mean, even if you're in last place, you got a chance. It's kind yeah, of fun in the National League. I think the only team that doesn't have a chance is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh would be out, and in the American League, I don't think Detroit's going on a run. I think the American League teams are pretty well set. You've got the eight. I was looking at that. Not yet. Who could make a run? Uh, I would say Boston's out. Baltimore is out. Um, I'm not yet. Th- now this is where it gets a little dicey for me. Um, Toronto, depending on what happens with the trade deadline today, that's Toronto's the only one. in number eight right now. Yeah, that would be my eighth. So okay, Detroit. Wow. No. <laughs> Again, Randy, I've got this is a crazy season. I'm just playing that role. Okay, okay we have the we have the eight. You're right. <laughs> Cardinals have to beat up on Detroit. Well, this uh, is kind of an important series tonight. Yeah, it is. You know, starting with Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got to start playing well or sell. By the end of the day. But they're, they, apparently they're, they're not going to sell. They're interested in buying than selling. I don't think they can afford to because this was it. They were going all in this season. Bauer's a free agent yeah. to be. They just haven't hit. How can that team not hit? Crazy. It's unbelievable. They've got a lot of hitters. Yeah. Castellanos, 
Suarez, Votto, they benched Votto for three games last week. I don't get it. Every Monday, we have the chance to visit with Brad Thompson. He is my broadcast partner on Fox Sports Midwest, and you hear him on the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Brad Thompson, tell me when you were a minor leaguer and you were a teammate of Adam Wainwright, you guys used to dig for change in the seats, scrounging up money, trying to figure out where you're going to get your next meal, and then watching yesterday what that was like. It was unbelievable. It, it's ridiculous, man. The guy is amazing. Now, now I was the one that was searching for change a little bit more. I mean, Adam was a first rounder. I think that he was just uh, he had all the stuff in trust funds already, or, or something. <laughs> he had all his cash set aside. Uh, either way, but yeah, I mean, it, it is just such a uh, it's so surreal, honestly, to watch him go out and, and do stuff. And we had this conversation last week, uh, Dan, of how we should stop being surprised when like Adam does something fantastic, but then all of a sudden he just takes it to the next level. And in a, in a situation where the team needs him more than, more than ever. I mean, they, they've been taxed, they need some help. And he tells Shilty before, beforehand the night before, Hey, I got you. Don't even ask. I got you, whatever you need, I'm going to be here. And then he's there and steps up. And because you know, like for for competitors, Dan, you know this man. The mentality is always there. You always believe you're going to get something done. And Adam believes in himself, uh, maybe more than any other athlete that I've been around. Like even through the most negative times, from a uh, from a pitching aspect, from a health aspect, he always believed he was going to get it done. But going from that belief, you know, telling Shilty, hey, I got you, we're going to be fine, I, I got this game, to actually doing it, man, it's incredible. I was just so so proud of him, just watching him go out there and just carve him up and just get better and better as the game was going on. That was the most amazing part to me. Physically and watching him, what do you see? What, how is he getting his, uh, at the age of 39 and just physically, you know, the curveball, he doesn't have the fastball that he used to, how is he getting it done? Well, he, he doesn't necessarily have the fastball that he used to, but he spots it up so well, and he throws it at the right times. I mean, you, you uh, I mean, you painted the picture really well yesterday. I mean, look, he, it seemed like every strikeout, he's dotting a fastball on the corner, and he's just changing speeds at the right time, and he keeps hitters guessing. That's what I love. Like, they're up there in what would be traditional curveball counts oftentimes, so maybe a 1-2 or a 2-2 two, two count. And they're sitting up there just geared up dead red for that breaking ball. And then all of a sudden he spots up a fastball, you know, to a righty and it brings back a sinker on the outside corner or he front doors a lefty. Like he just got such a great feel for himself mechanically. He can repeat things and he's just a step ahead. So watching him and Yachty, and by the way, the freaking image of these two guys stopping their celebration for a second to put on their masks and then hug it out. I mean, that's one, Dan, I think that that are going to, that's a picture that's going to probably be in the halls of Bush stadium forever at some point as kind of a, a landmark type thing for the Cardinals in this 2020 crazy season. But it was just so special to watch them go about it, but it's just the artistry of the entire thing, the way that he's been able to build up, year after year and just change his game boy that was crazy wasn't it seeing that i mean honestly it just kind of caught you i I, it just you almost catch your breath here's two guys with masks on hugging it out after a complete game i don't know about you it just it was just almost surreal i i I don't know what other way to, to put it it was just unbelievable 
No, it, it was, and it, it's just another one of those things. And I was talking with the guys on the fast lane this morning, just chatting back and forth via text, and it's like it's just so fitting. That's such a 2020 thing, and I, I feel like 2020 is just going to be full of snapshots like that and yeah. hopefully there's more right hopefully there's more of a, a feeling of chasing a championship and and going through a playoff but like right now i feel like that's what we have is random snapshots of just a crazy crazy season but finally there was like a positive one like the, like there was one that was just uh as bad as it's been this year just in general it was nice to have a little moment like that where you see those guys celebrate and they know how important all the, the safety protocols and the measures are. But I loved it when Adam said, Hey, there was nothing that was going to stop me from getting a hug right there. I just love that. When you watch that interview uh, as a guy that, that competed with him in the minor leagues, in the major leagues, he's one of your good friends and you saw his emotions and, and you, you saw him kind of articulate what was going on in, in his mind. What was going through your mind? I, I'm curious. Well, it's just the overall, man, you, you do know what kind of makes him tick and you do know the ins and outs, but it's also a guy that just kind of realizes where he's at in his career and where he's at in his life. And uh, I, I love the fact that he was emotional about that win. I love the fact that he talked about he had to take a few minutes to have a quick little cry session and then and then come back out and do it. But uh, to me, man, it's just uh, it kind of just tells you, gives you another inner glimpse of the man, you know, that uh, the, the fact that this stuff just doesn't happen. You know, you don't just get touched uh, and and say, oh, well, you are going to be a great pitcher. There's a lot more that goes into it. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, he puts everything into every single thing that he does and the results come out. But for guys like him pitching in this league, as long as they have been players playing, as long as they have been. Stuff doesn't happen on accident. It's a lot of hard work, and he, he takes pride in being able to put his team on his back when he goes out there. And, and to me, like just you know, being a friend, being a former teammate, uh, I take pride in that. Like, I, I love seeing him be able to go do that. Yeah, and Brad, I, I want to ask you about the offense. So that was a great moment yesterday. Um, the offense has got to get going. We've seen some some spots where it clearly has not. What would you do if you're Mike Shield to try to get this thing going a little bit? And what needs to happen? Look, your your biggest guy's got to got to step up. It, it, Goldie is having himself a, a good year. I mean, Brad Miller has been a, a big time surprise, uh, and I, I know he went hitless yesterday. But I don't think that there's so there, there's no magic to this. I mean, at this point, your roster is what your roster is. Uh, they, they've tried to get a little bit more aggressive. The Cardinals have been beaten up badly on the base pass. I mean, they, they've had some bad outs. They've ran into some. They've had some bad luck um, o- overall. But I- I'm not sure there's some magic elixir right now that fixes this offense, Dan. I, I feel like it's going to come down to Goldie. It's going to come down to DeYoung, which was good to see him have that three-hit day uh, behind Adam Wainwright yesterday. Uh, but you need more out of different guys. I, I mean, uh, Dex drove in three for you yesterday. That's nice. To me, one of the biggest key factors here, and it's totally unfair, and I'm not saying the season hinges upon this guy by any means, but you look at the spots that he's been up in, if we see a little bit faster progression for Dylan Carlson, I really think that that changes a lot of things. The more reps that you can give that kid, the better your offense is going to be overall. 
But I just I feel like with all the starts and stops, like we knew that this offense, Dan, was going to be it wasn't going to be the strength of the team at the very least coming into the season. We we know the team they had last year. We know the production from Marcel Ozuna headed off to Atlanta, and there was going to be a lot of hoping, and there was going to be a lot of building upon this year and getting better and better as you go on. Well, there there's no time to build uh, all of the, the momentum you might have had in spring training. All that stuff was stopped short, so. Um, I, I feel like you're going to have to get more from the young guys, but your anchors have to be your anchors. And ultimately, for this team to win a championship, in my eyes, it's not going to be on the back of your offense. I mean, it has to be your pitching. The defense has to be so much better. The base running has to be so much better. Like, all the little things have to clean up a ton, and the offense just has to be good enough, in my opinion. Would you take a run at Lane Thomas now, or do you like the idea of Edmund in the outfield, or do you look at Dylan Carlson moving up in the lineup, maybe in front of Goldschmidt, things of that nature, just to try to shake it up? Yeah, I, I don't mind the idea at all. And actually, Lane Thomas is a really good one to get some reps for. They love what they've had from him out of the, uh, at the big league level last year. He was a guy that showed up right away. The stage didn't look too big for him, and he took advantage of it. And unfortunately, uh, hit by the pitch, cut his season short. And I thought it was very interesting that you know John Mosellock and Schilte also talked about him at the end of the postseason about how they missed him, like missed having that guy around. So I would certainly like to see him get some more reps. I do think that the outfield in general has got to be, hey, if you're producing, you're playing. If you're if you're up there, if you're you're getting hits, you're taking good at bats, you're driving the ball, you're gonna be in there the next day. Like you have to figure out ways. And I think it would be would be interesting to bounce stuff around. Colton Wong, who was really strong early especially, you know, leading off. It was kind of a no-brainer. He slowed down quite a bit, averaged just over 200 right now. Uh, we saw Tommy with a couple of hits, but I think that you could move some pieces a little bit before uh, ahead of Goldie, ahead of DeYoung and Miller, and just give some guys some rest. At this point, honestly, Dan, when you look at it, if you're Schilte, what, I mean, what do you have to lose when it comes to your offense? Try some pieces, mix and match a little bit. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, guys are going to have to step up when you give them the opportunity. And Lane Thomas is a guy that I'm, I am really interested in. Yeah, Lane is an interesting guy. Um, and Bader was, you know, going well, and then the migraines hit and then had to sit. So I'll be interested what they do on this road trip. I'm sure you are too. And this is a very, very important road trip for the Cardinals. I, I don't want to say it's make or break, but you got Cincinnati, then you have the five games in Chicago. So this is a very important stretch of baseball for, for all those teams, really. Dan, it's make or break. I mean, let's be honest. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, we, it, it, no, you know, you're right, though. It is important. Look, the Reds haven't been playing their best baseball, and there might be some changes today. As I'm sure you've been talking about already, there's a trade deadline. There's plenty of names that are being thrown around uh, on all these teams. Trevor Bauer being one of the probably the biggest name that the Reds have thrown out. A lot of teams are interested in him. Um, the, the Cubs, we know what they have been. We know what they are. And if you go into this road trip and you have a big-time misstep, you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in. Now, the, the only beauty of it is here for the Cardinals that when you, you look at the standings, uh, they're, they're in a decent spot. It's not like the Brewers or the Reds, who they're going to be facing, uh, ha- have been world beaters. The Cubs are the team to chase, and they're not necessarily on fire. Like They have the, the ability to do something special, but you just can't bury yourself here on this road trip. So 
the pitching is going to be the key, and it starts with Dakota Hudson tonight. You hope that he's able to build off of what he did last time out because, Dan, I mean, you and I were doing the game. He looked fantastic. He did a good job of just settling in and getting deeper and deeper into ball games. But you're right. This is going to be a big road trip for the Cardinals, and they need to at the very least tread water, if not gain some ground. So I'm going to wrap it up with this. Uh, you made a living out of being a pitcher. You you were a starter. You were a reliever. How do you think Mike Schilt has, has handled what has happened after the 17-day layoff and putting these guys in a position to at least uh, be somewhat, somewhat rested? And I say somewhat in quotations because it was so tough coming out of the 17 days and not really knowing his work. guy were of having the ability to get through these games, whether you're a starter or a reliever and having a chance here in the final month. I'm incredibly impressed, honestly. I mean, the, the way that he did such a good job, but I think that there's always a sense of urgency, especially in a season like this. You know that every game means so much. But Mike Maddox and Mike Schilt together, and look, this is an entire staff and brain trust that goes into making decisions. I think they've done such a good job with their starters, first of all, of making sure they're incrementally getting them where they need to go. And obviously, Adam Wainwright yesterday with 122 pitch, I believe it was, Jim, he's a little different animal, all right? The Cardinals hadn't had a starter hit the 100 pitch threshold until he did that last night and, and exceeded it. But they're they're doing such a good job of just easing people in, and you give them breathers when you can. And if a reliever has a quick inning one day, they're having the communication and see if he's available the next day. The communication is the key. I mean, it absolutely is. And the honesty on the player side is going to be a key also because the Cardinals, with the offense that we talked about a little bit ago, not looking like it's going to overnight just turn into a juggernaut. This pitching staff has to stay intact, and these guys have to stay healthy. And that's where the communication on both sides comes in. How are you feeling? Looking at pitch counts, back-to-back, two out of three days. You've got to be able to build in some rest. And I think they've done a really good job of that. And I think they've done a really good job of also utilizing their taxi squad and having pieces bounce in and out. This is not an easy thing to do in any season, but it certainly is way more difficult in a shortened season when you miss 17 games and you have double headers seemingly like a couple times a week. It's it's hard, and I think they've done a really good job with it. Awesome stuff, Brad. I'll have you tuned in on the fast lane. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch up very soon. All right, Dan. I'll talk to you later, my man. That's Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Scott Miller, the uh, lead MLB columnist for Bleacher Report, joins us on 101 ESPN. Of course, he wrote that book, 90% Mental, a couple of years ago with uh, the former Cardinal Bob Tewksbury. That's a great read. Scott, thanks so much for joining us this morning on Trade Deadline Day in MLB. How you doing? Real good, Randy. Nice to be with you. Thanks for the nod to the Tewksbury book that just came out in uh, paperback this spring. And I loved it, and it's something, I don't know if you thought this as you were writing it, but it's something that people that aren't pro athletes can use this is uh, it's actually a book where you can take something out of it and apply it to your regular life yeah you know actually it's funny you mentioned that i did think of that while i was writing it and while i was researching and, and you know working through things with bob and the whole mental skills approach to not just baseball but life and not only did i think of it while i was writing it but boy i've thought of it several times this summer as we're all cooped up in our houses and during this pandemic and you know just what everybody's going through and uh yeah i try the big thing i try to remember coming out of that book among the many things is uh 
uh, you know, that, that, that having a positive attitude is a choice. And I go back to, you know, in the morning, sometimes, you know, you, you lose your car keys and you, you, you know, a couple things go wrong. You burn your toast and it, it, we've all been there and, and, and we think, Oh my God, it's just, it's going to be one of those days. And if you let yourself think that right, then about five more bad things happen. But if you realize that in the moment and you call a timeout, you say, wait a minute, <laughs> it doesn't have to be one of those days, even though I've lost the car keys and burnt the toast, I can still, you know, let's just reset here. Things like that, you know, coming out of the whole mental skills approach to baseball life are, are helpful. Scott, I think there's a lot of fan bases out there that are going to need that message. A positive attitude is a choice. (laughs) (laughs) They might be wanting their team to make a move today as the trade deadline approaches at 3 p.m. Central time. But what's, in your opinion, the biggest move that you think might be made or the biggest name that we should pay attention to that is being discussed? Uh, Great, great segue there, Michelle. And uh, you're right. You're right. Um, (laughs) You know, pitching seems to, it's always about pitching and, um, you know, and, and there's no Justin Verlander on the market this year. And, you know, obviously the guy that Houston acquired at the, in the August trade deadline in 2017 and, and, and helped Houston win that world series. No, nobody to that level, but. Uh, you know, there are a couple good ones on the market. I, I still think that Mike Clevenger is going to be on the move uh, with Cleveland. I just, what happened with him and Zach Plesak a couple weeks ago really seemed to uh, change things with, with the way the Indians view them, uh, uh, view those two pitchers. Of course, Plesak still being at the, as we're calling it now, the alternate training site, they never did add him back to the team. Uh, Clevenger, they did add back, but. Uh, you know, Cleveland really needs some uh, some offense. That that their outfielders combined hit are hitting like 183, uh, worst in baseball, and they they've got a little bit of excess pitching. So I think Clevenger moves. I mean, you know, I, and I think it's going to be an interesting team. I mean, you know, one that doesn't always out go out there and get guys. I mean, I know Atlanta's interested, Toronto's interested, San Diego. I'd keep an eye on San Diego. I, they're they're going crazy out there with AJ Preller at the helm of the general manager. They've already, you know, acquired Trevor Rosenthal from Kansas City and Mitch Moreland from Boston and uh and um you know that trade with Seattle yesterday to upgrade their catching with Austin Nola. Um Josh Hader in Milwaukee, that's another one that interests me. You know, you would think initially, why would the Brewers move him? But it's a crazy National League this year. The Brewers 15 and 18, third in the Central, behind the Cubs in St. Louis, of course. And, I mean, I look at the standings today. There's just four of the 15 National League teams are over 500. And there's really only one team out of it. The, the, the only team that isn't going to be in the playoffs for sure is the Pirates. So everybody should be looking. Scott, yep. I want to go back to the Padres for a moment because people are saying, well, why would they want to do that against uh, when they're playing in a division with the Dodgers? But the Dodgers have shown in the last years, and we've seen here in St. Louis a couple of times, how they can be vulnerable come playoff time when nobody expects them to be able to be beat. No, that's you're exactly right, and and I think where the Padres are concerned, you know, they've 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 rebuilt for the last several years, and they, they're they're seeing some results now. I mean, you, you know, you guys have seen that. That's a fun team they have right now. Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, th- this kid could be if he stays healthy, a generational type of player. And you know, Hosmer's hitting again. Manny Machado's returned to being Manny Machado, and um, I, I think the Padres. 
what do they have the second best record in uh, in the National League right now? And 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 to your point, you're right. Where they're concerned, you've got one of two choices, right? You could either say, you know what, the Dodgers are just a freaking machine, and and you know we're never going to catch them, or and this is, I think, in, in a competitive situation, what you have to do, you have to look and say, you have, all teams have to measure themselves against the best starting in their division and then the best in their league, right? I mean, you know, it, 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 it's like the Cubs for years before they won that 2016 World Series. They had to get past St. Louis. They, You know, if they were ever going to do anything as they're rebuilding, they had to measure themselves against St. Louis and close that gap before they did anything else. And, um, you know, I think that's why we saw in the early 2000s, uh, we saw Boston's rise when they finally broke through in 2004. Um, and, and remember, the American League East became such a juggernaut. You know, Baltimore was good back then in the late 90s. Toronto was pretty good. And, and all of that reason was the Yankees had built that one of the all-time teams, you know, when they went on their last, had their last dynasty. They won in 96, 98, 99, 2000. And what happens is when, like, going back there, the Yankees, they were the monster, and they're the king of the hill. That that's what everybody measured themselves against. And they're like, look, that we don't have a choice. We've got if we if we want to win, that's who we got to get past. That's back to the Padres right now. What they're looking at with the Dodgers. It's got a name that we're familiar with here in St. Louis that is getting a lot of buzz. Is Lance Lynn? Do you think he gets moved? And if so, where do you think he lands? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Padres have been involved in conversations with Texas. Uh, Padres are interested in Lance Lynn. I do think, by the way, the, what Clevenger, Lance Lynn, Padres are going to get a starting pitch. It seems crazy as much as they've already done, but I do think the Padres will get a starting pitcher today. Uh, Toronto has been very involved. Uh, Toronto, in a similar way to San Diego, they got those great young kids, you know, Dante, uh, Bo Bichette and, and Kevin Biggio and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and the Jays have won like 11 of their last 14, and they're feeling it right now too. And they're they're uh, you know they've got a chance in that American League East. So I think Toronto, from what I understand, is in on Lance Lynn. The Padres are, uh, you know that that guy that he to me kind of epitomizes this trade deadline. By the way, because as I said, there, there's there's no Hall of Famer on the market right now like a Justin Verlander. Um, but you got to pitch to win, and Lynn is uh, such a workhorse. You know, I mean, he's 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 having a good year. Um, he's got now it's uh, up to thirty-two consecutive starts in which he's thrown a hundred or more pitches. That is the most since Justin Verlander uh, back. He, he had a streak of like eighty some starts when he threw a hundred or more pitches between twenty ten and twenty twelve. And, uh, I mean, that's no small thing in a game in which everybody's bullpen is getting taxed, especially this year. Um, you know, you get a Lance Lynn, he's going to come in. He almost, he's going to throw 100 or more pitches. He's going to keep you in games. Um, you know, so I, I think, plus the other thing with Lance Lynn, uh, you know, and this makes him valuable to Texas, and the Rangers should get whatever they can for him if they deal him. His contract is very friendly. He's making ten million this year. Of course, it's all prorated, and then next year it drops to eight million. Next year is the last of a three-year deal, and and you know if you get Lance Lynn, 
you know, eight million bucks next year for a guy who's going to give you a hundred plus pitches every night. That's pretty doggone good. Hey, Scott, before we let you go, we're witnessing something here in St. Louis uh, with Adam Wainwright that I, I hope Cardinal fans are savoring because it's not very often that you get to see a throwback pitcher, and he's not going to the Hall of Fame, but he's been really, really good. But he's also going to spend his, his entire career with one organization, and Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and Verlander and Clemens and uh, all of those guys. They never spent their entire career with one team. It's hard for a pitcher to do that. What we're seeing here in St. Louis with Waino is pretty unusual, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. See, I'm glad you brought him up. I, I know the trade deadline dominates things today. But, um, yeah, his 39th birthday yesterday, throwing a shutout, uh, entire career with the Cardinals. Uh, and, he's, and, and he's represented the Cardinals with such class and dignity. And, you know, not to mention the winning tradition. Um, you know, I mean, I'll never forget. I know people in St. Louis won't either. I was in Shea Stadium, and yes, Shea, not City Field, <laughs> Shea Stadium, for that when he froze Carlos Beltran with the curveball to in 06, you know, game seven of the NLCS. I mean, I know that's going to be his signature moment forever. I mean, I still vividly remember covering that game and watching Beltran freeze. And, and you know, Wainwright, a young Wainwright then, uh, dominate, you know, throwing in relief, getting that moment done, and then growing into what it grew into with the Cardinals. And, I mean, it's just, it's been a storybook career. You know, you're right. I I don't know that he's going to, you know, we probably won't see him in Cooperstown. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe we'll see him win the red jacket uh, down the road with St. Louis. But he's going to, the great thing with the Cardinals, with him staying in that one organization is, um you know, when he's done, I mean, he's going to be around like all the great Cardinal alumni of the past uh, as a resource for young players that are coming in and and coaching and just talking to them. And I'm sure we'll see him around the stadium. We'll see him, you know, at spring training. And, and you know, the Cardinals have always done right. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys from, you know, back when, you know, rest of soul, Red Shane Deanst was around in spring training every year and guys like that. And, uh, um, you know, Wainwright has been, he's had a remarkable, remarkable run. And he's to that point in his career where to you, to your point, I hope, I, I trust every start he makes St. Louis fans are, t- are making sure to lock in on it and savor the starts and, you know, say, you know what, we could, uh, you know, we were going to watch a movie tonight, but Hey, let's, we're making sure to watch Wainwright's pitching. We don't want to miss one of his starts because there's not that many left. Scott, it's always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for taking some time with us. Enjoy the uh, the day today, trade deadline day, and the remaining 25 or so games of the season. <laughs> uh, you as well. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? All of a sudden you look up, There's only it seems like the season just started, and it did, and there's only 25 or so games left. Um, but, uh, you know, it's nice to have the games back. Randy and Michelle, appreciate it. Thank you.